to Totalus Rankium. This week, Alexander II. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine eleven, and this is episode one two three, Alexander two. Oh, I quite like his one two three. That's it's quite good, nice. Yeah, that's quite nice. Alexander today, brother of Leo last week. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think he'll do really well. Well, we will see. But before we start, a bit of sad music time. Oh yeah, hit no. the music. Yeah, there we go. Off, off it is in the background. Yeah, last time. Um, I said that Sicily fell completely in 902. Did you? Well, you're a fool, Rob. Everyone knows that's not quite true. <laughs> it's not quite true, but that's the best way of putting it. Not quite true. <laughs> um, well, listener Philip Burns got in contact with us to state that there were still Roman strongholds on the island until 965, which uh, I looked into this. And he is absolutely right, of course, uh, but this confusion stems from a couple of places. Because 902 was apparently a busy year where the Balearic Islands fell to Cordova. So right. they, they go. But also, at the same time, so in 902, the last major Roman stronghold on Sicily fell to the Abbasid vassal state of Ifriqiya. Ah. Yes, or Africa, essentially. Uh, ah. This is ruled by the Aglubids, who were uh, basically running the area, the old Roman African province okay. for the Abbasids. Uh, so this is what I was referring to last time. Yeah. And it does happen in 902, and to all extents and purposes, the island is lost to the Romans. Yeah. However, what I didn't mention is that this city soon revolted against the Muslim control and was soon Roman again, but with very diminished power. Yeah. But they cling on to this city-state mm. until 965. Mm. So technically, Sicily's not completely lost, but I mean, it's essentially gone. Yeah. Anyone claiming they've still got Sicily, nah. But this uh, leads us to something that I didn't mention last time. Three years before the death of our last emperor, Leo, in 909, something more important than all this happened in this very region. Because the Aglubids, who I just mentioned, yeah. were overthrown by a subset of Islam. Right. They called themselves the Fatimids. Uh, the Fatimids were considered heretical uh, by the Abbasids. Right. And uh, yeah, the Fatimids kind of revolted and took over the area. So this is the old Roman African province. Okay. Sort of Tunisia area, did, Libya. Did, did you think this sort of stems into more modern day Islam where you got the different sects? Uh, we will see how this has an impact as we go on. But yes, it definitely has an impact. So just know that the Fatimids are on the scene and they're going to get bigger. Anyway, that's enough of some background stuff and some corrections. Uh, let's go into the life of Alexander, shall we? Let's let's do this. Oh, I'm yes. excited. Are you? I really, really am, yeah. Do you think he's, he's going to be one that you remember for a long time? Yeah, he's somebody that deserves... At least an episode. I think so. Yeah, okay. Well, he was born in 18... No, he was born in 870 as Alexander. Good name. Which leads us to his name. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> because it's odd, or rather it's become odd. Bit of a name tangent here. Are you ready for this? Oh, I love a name tangent. Alexander II is very, very rarely listed as Alexander II. He's okay. usually listed as Alexander or Alexander III. 
What? Yes, I know. Crazy. I've only ever seen him once listed as Alexander II, which is how we're referring to him as, but we'll get back to that in a moment. Now, when I first saw this a couple of years ago, when we did the first Alexander episode, it's like way back in the sevens. Uh, He's the young kid, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Elagabalus' cousin. Did he have Thrax as a bodyguard? Uh, Yes, you're in the right time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thrax was around. Remember Thrax uh, refused to be in the same room as Elagabalus. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I'm way back then. So um, we were doing Alexander and I I did what I usually do, just sort of checking stuff. It's like, oh, there's another Alexander in the future. And uh, I thought, that's strange. Uh, he's listed as Alexander Three. That's odd. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I looked into it. When the Alexander we're doing today is listed as Alexander with no numerals, this clearly stems from the belief that's grown up in the last couple of hundred years that Byzantine is somehow not Roman. Right. Now, remember, the Romans didn't use numerals themselves, so Alexander's never given one in the sources. He is just Alexander. It's more um, modern historians that number them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, uh, Byzantine historians, despite giving Tiberius two his numeral, remember, he got a two, uh, probably because Tiberius was Judeo-Claudian, and therefore what's known as a big deal in history circles. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for some reason these historians didn't bother remembering Paul Alexander, the uh, cousin to Elagabalus. So this Alexander just gets called Alexander. Unless he's referred to as Alexander III, which is even weirder. Yeah. Now apparently, those historians that do remember Alexander I also remember another Alexander that we didn't do. This is Lucius Domitius Alexander, who usurped during the Tetrarchic Wars. Oh wow. Yeah, he was in Africa while Maxentius was claiming to be emperor in Rome. Now I actually went back to our episode to see if we even mentioned him, and we did. Alright. We did. You might even vaguely remember because he's the one who we said claimed to be Africa. Oh! Because I misspoke, and we decided he said, I am Africa. Oh, and we, yeah, we talked about different bits of him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> These yeah. are my pyramids. Something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So that that was the uh, the second Alexander. Was, for some reason, some historians count him, even though he clearly yeah. wasn't an emperor. And he's just there saying, check out the length of my Nile. Yes, exactly. Anyway, we're we're not having any of that, so we are naming our emperor today Alexander II. Fair enough. Because we've had one already, and he is the second. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, of course it does. Yes. This is how history works. Interestingly, the one place I've seen him called Alexander II is on Wikipedia, but that only happened very recently. That was me. When I checked his page whilst doing the research for this, someone has very, very recently gone and updated it. I used you, to call it? him Alexander Three. No, it wasn't. Uh, it but was he's you. called Alexander Two now. Editing by Rob. No, no, it's not. Promise, promise. But you changed the picture to your version, haven't you? As well. <laughs> yes, I have. All links are all the links, history links are to, to our podcast. I totally should do that. So should. <laughs> fact everyone listening should do that get on wikipedia now (laughs) (laughs) i want to see a link to our podcast at the bottom of every single emperor page oh yeah yeah anyway um there we go that's a name tangent so anyone looking him up will find him listed as alexander or alexander three uh but we're calling him alexander two anyway Back to Alexander. As I said, he was born in 870, which is important because his mother was Eudocia Injurina, remember yeah. the daughter of the Viking? Yeah. And the mistress of Michael III. Ooh. And the wife of Basil. 
Yeah. Leo was more than likely Michael's child. Yeah. Which we decided. However, Alexander was born in 870, which is three years after Michael dies. You never know. <laughs> Slow-moving sperm. <laughs> Ghostly sperm. No, Alexander is clearly Basil's son, so we yeah. actually have a, an actual son of Basil here. Now, we know very little about Alexander's childhood. Uh, he was born to the purple, we know that. He received a good education, with leaders from the university and the church being roped in to educate the princes. Hmm. Then, at the age of nine, his half-brother and heir, Constantine, died. Oh dear. If you remember, that was the eldest brother of Basil. Yeah. The one that Basil really liked. So, this meant that his other half-brother, Leo, soon to be Leo VI was now next in line to the throne. Now, even though he was only nine years old at this time, there's a very good chance that Alexander would have realised that his father hated Leo, because his father kept saying things like, I hate Leo, yeah. and then punching him in the face. Yeah, yeah. during Sunday lunch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so perhaps it didn't come as a surprise when Leo was thrown in prison and Alexander declared co-emperor, yeah. and therefore heir. Big responsibility for a young lad. A nine-year-old, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Gosh. However, as we have seen, Basil bowed to the pressure and released Leo, and soon afterwards died in a tragic hunting accident. It was it, awful. Awful. I mean, Not funny at all. It was... You just shouldn't joke about some things. No. Being picked up by a, a stag by your belt and carried for miles through but, a forest. For hours. Hours, Backwards yeah. and forth, through, through streams. Yeah. And brambles. Oh. And, like, just crates of nails. <laughs> Head into a badger set sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Porcupine factory. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not laughing. Two, two people carrying a pane of glass through the jungle. Yeah, exactly. Right through that. Yeah. Just skirted past the pillow factory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, through the car park yeah. where, unfortunately, there'd recently been a car accident and there was yeah. lots of broken glass around. Yeah. yeah. It's a good job we didn't fall into the uh, the knife sharpening factory. Yeah, a lot of factories. Uh, a lot weird. <laughs> Very developed area. Yes. Quite industrial. Was, in some respects, not the best area for hunting. But <laughs> <laughs> No, so it was amazing. There's a stag there, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, he died. <laughs> yes, he did. And after this, Leo and Alexander were both proclaimed emperor. Oh, yes, you said he was co-emperor with Leo. Yes, they are both emperors. Uh, they are made co-emperors together. However, Leo was in his early 20s and Alexander was barely 16. Leo was considered intelligent, hard-working, wise even. Alexander was not. Brilliant. <laughs> Leo had connections in the political class and also with the church, those high up in the church. The only connections Alexander had was with people who could get you some decent seats in the Hippodrome. Someone you could hook up with to get a, a good decent bottle of wine or something. Yeah. Yeah. With an extra kick in it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Th those sort of connections. The ones that aren't that legal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in short, no one was looking for Alexander when someone said, "Hey, look, there's the emperor." Okay. <laughs> it's like people would spin around and go, "Where? What? Who? Behind Alexander? I can't see him." Yeah, <laughs> things like yeah. that. Anyway, because of this, Alexander's often overlooked in the sources, not just by uh, historians since oh. the sources just kind of gloss over him, with almost all the talk being about Leo, his spat with uh, Zalces, if you remember, and the war with the Bulgars, and yeah. their king Simeon, and all that that we talked about last time. Alexander's barely mentioned, even though he's obviously there for all of it. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Hello! Well, he seemed to spend most of his time drinking 
and not caring too much about how the Empire was run, and also developing and nursing a real hatred for his brother. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see why. Yeah, I mean, the sources say he didn't care how uh, the Empire was run, but I can't help but feel this is perhaps not true. Mm. Because if that was true, he wouldn't hate his brother that much. No. Get the feeling more that Leo just suppresses Alexander. Yeah. Do you think his drinking came out of him being ignored? Possibly. Or maybe he just loved drinking. I mean, that's very likely. Yeah. <laughs> we like a bit of a tipple, don't we? Anyway, I will now cover everything we know about... Alexander during his brother's rule. Okay, I'll count out from 30. Go. <laughs> oh, no, no, I've got a bit more than that. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first time he pops up is when he was involved in the funeral after Basil's death. Okay. This, of course, is not Basil's funeral. If you remember, Leo had ordered that Michael III, his real father, be dug up and oh, given yes. a proper funeral. Yeah. And Alexander and the other brother, Stephen, he was made patriarch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they follow Leo in a procession into the Church of the Holy Apostles. It's not really recorded how Alexander felt about this, having to be at the funeral to the guy his father usurped. It's a bit weird. Mm, a bit he probably wasn't too happy about it. No, he had a hip flask, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. The next we hear of him was several years later. Again, we did cover this. Uh, if you remember, one day Leo was entering a church when a man came out of the crowd swinging a bat. Oh, yeah. And yes. it just hit Leo round the head with yeah. it. Leo managed to survive. The man swinging the bat did not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, however, it was soon noticed that Alexander was not with them that day. He was at home, ill, too ill to come out that day, apparently. Ooh, yeah. Um, this soon led to the rumour that Alexander was involved in the assassination attempt. Yeah. However, that said, Leo didn't move against his brother afterwards. Uh, Alexander was given the benefit of the doubts, so who knows? Maybe he wasn't involved. It's probably likely. Just It wouldn't surprise me. Maybe it was just a, a madman with a club. Mm. Um, but I don't think Alexander would have shed too many tears. No. Let's just say that. Oh, sorry, brother. I got a sore head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do know that the two despised each other by this point. Really? Yeah. Uh, the next we hear of Alexander is in 905. He's now 35 years old. So a good 20 years has passed of him being co-emperor. I was been for 25 years. 20 20 years. years. Yeah. He's been co-emperor for 20 years, and that is literally all we've got. Wow. Yeah. Leo finally has a son with his mistress Zoe. Remember, this is towards the end of Leo's episode here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was agreed that little Constantine could be baptised as long as Zoe left the palace never to return. <laughs> Alexander and Leo's good friend Simonus were at the Holy Font, right at the front, whilst the ceremony took place, and then Alexander was made the godfather to Leo's son. Oh. Which might seem uh, a bit strange. Maybe it's a reconciliation between the brothers, but it seems more likely that this is Leo making sure that if he dies before his brother, it's just less likely that Alexander will murder the child, <laughs> if there's yeah. a bit more of a connection there. Of a, a, a god link. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's why that happened. At some point over the last 20 years or so, Alexander had married twice, yeah. uh, but he had no children, uh, leading the sources to speculate that he was impotent throughout this whole time. But we just don't know, and uh, we'll come back to that later. He might have had um, problems 
maintaining brewer's droop a brewer's droop yes 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 yeah that is definitely one theory that some historians put forth but there is another theory as well which we're, we're getting to later anyway then leo becomes ill as we have seen and on his deathbed he asked his brother to give little constantine a good education and to look after him oh. Alexander's response is not recorded, but it was probably something along the lines of (laughs) (laughs) I will. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So, Alexander was 41 years old when he took sole rule of the empire. He was not seen as a a natural leader, shall we say, by pretty much everyone, shall we say. (laughs) Including himself. (laughs) But perhaps he wanted that to change, because he had plans. He's going to do a war thing, isn't he, to prove himself? Not quite. Build something. No, you see, both of those would have been better than what he decided to do. Oh, dear. What's one of the worst things a politician can do when they get into power? Kill people. Well, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm more thinking, um, if his predecessor had done something, he would undo it. Oh, of course. Just out of spite. Yes. If Leo had done anything at all... Alexander wanted to just strip it away. It's a sign of a weak person. Yes, it is. Uh, The first thing was Empress Zoe. Here's your virginity back. (laughs) Push the baby back in. (laughs) It's horrendous. Yeah, maybe not quite that far. Um, Yeah, uh, first things first, the Empress Zoe. Leo's wife. What to do with her? Get rid of. As in, chuck her out. Chuck her out into a... Prison? (laughs) <laughs> nunnery, but oh, nunnery, of course, yes. yeah. yeah, she was nunned straight away. Um, if you remember also from last time, Zoe had a father called Hemerius, who was an admiral. Yeah, the same yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, he was doing quite well. Um, since last episode, I have also read something that claimed that this was Zoe's uncle, not father. Okay. And also somewhere else that it was her cousin. Wonderful. So let's just say family member, shall yeah, we? Yeah, close, close family And let's member. really hope that it wasn't her father slash uncle slash cousin. And it wasn't that type of family. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, Hermerius um, had just been defeated by Leo of Tripoli, the Abbasid Admiral. Right. Uh, remember, they were trying to get back Crete and it failed. Yes, massively. So, Alexander uses this to throw him into prison. We can't have lost. Because we're inferior, we've obviously been betrayed. It <laughs> must be his fault. So, yeah, he's he's thrown into either a prison or um, he's monked. Again, sources differ yeah. on that. What they agree on, though, is that where he went wasn't pleasant, and Hemerius was dead within six months. That's not pleasant. Dead, and I quote here, because he was consumed by sorrow, which I think is a nice way of saying knifed in the dark or night. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so many of your enemies have been consumed by sorrow, your emperor. (laughs) Good. Anyway, so Alexander's starting to find his feet here. He's getting rid of all of uh, Leo's yes-men, and he's uh, replacing them with his own. Mm. And it wasn't long before a delegation from King Simeon of Bulgaria showed up to congratulate Alexander on his promotion. Now, Tom, you're now emperor. Splendid. Oh, by the way, the annual tribute that you guys pay us after you guys so embarrassingly lost the last war, um, that's due, so whenever you're ready. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, apparently Alexander did not take well to this at all. He was also apparently quite drunk when he met them. Oh, splendid. And he started shouting at the ambassadors. 
Again, I'll quote, boasting, uttering pompous, ignorant phrases. Being a drunken fool, essentially, is what the sources seem to indicate. I'll show you the army in my army in your head. Yeah, pretty much. Um, he no, then... you're not the army. <laughs> my army's got a head. <laughs> head. <laughs> yeah, the, the envoys were unceremoniously thrown out of the city. All right. And told to go back to the king and tell him that the payments would not be made from now on. So that's good. Yeah. Still, there's work to do. The next day, Alexander sobers up slightly, enough um, that he starts making some appointments. Uh, seeing as he just fired a lot of people who'd worked for Leo, he'd best start getting people in those places. Alexander filled posts with people he trusted. Unfortunately for the Empire, the people he trusted were his friends who enjoyed drinking and playing ball in the Heptamon. Uh, which was where they uh, played polo. Okay. If you remember, polo was very very popular yeah. at the time. In fact, polo's become a particular favourite pastime of Alexander. He liked nothing better than grabbing a stick and jumping on a horse and whacking some balls around. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, exactly. Well, polo had become more and more popular in the capital recently and was now seen as the sport of choice for the leading class. Yeah. So a very small polo tangent here, just so we understand what this game is about. Uh, the game had already been around for centuries by this point. It's not a new game even then. Uh, evidence of the earliest versions of the game are found in the Parthian Empire. Oh, wow. So way back pre our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. It presumably predates this, however, because it's very hard to find evidence of something which is just people riding on horses and hitting things with a stick. Yeah, because most of that was probably war. Well, yes. Our old friend the Sassanid Persians took it up after the Parthian Empire fell. Sharpor too was hmm. a fond player of the game, apparently. Spiffing. Yeah. Then, as the importance of cavalry on the battlefield increased, so did the need to train horses and men, and therefore a game that did both became more and more popular. <laughs> so, guys, we've been practicing polo for a while. <laughs> now, we're going to war with these skills. However, this time, need your swords in the air rather than towards the ground. And instead of the small lever ball, that's a different type of ball you're going to aim for. <laughs> Strike fear into the enemy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you if you can ride a horse well enough to play polo, you can ride a horse well enough to run into the enemy and whack them with sharp things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense. Logic behind it somewhere. Now, as we've seen, the prominence of the game was not diminished when the Persian Empire fell to the Caliphate. And when the Persian-influenced Abbasid Caliphate established their capital in the new city of Baghdad, a polo field was built in the grounds of one of their palaces. Nice. A really good one as well, which as we saw in Philip Phyllis's episode, it was, a, it was good enough to really impress the Romans mm. who went to visit. Now, in Constantinople, the first polo stadium was actually built uh, by Theodosius II, so it's been around for a few hundred years. But it was under Theophilus, Michael II, and then Basil that it seemed to grow hugely in popularity. And it would appear that Basil knocked down the Polo Stadium that Theodosius built to make room for his uh, cathedral, the Near. Splendid. But then rebuilt a bigger stadium nearby because hey. he loved the game himself. Again. Yeah. So knock that rubbish stadium down, build a massive cathedral, and then build a better stadium for polo. Knock their houses down, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. They're poor. <laughs> it doesn't count. Uh, now, 
At this time, the version of polo that the Romans played was called Zaconian, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Spout with a T, and then a Z, and then a Y. What? Yeah, and then a K-A-N-I-O-N. Zikonian? Yeah. Yeah, let's go for that. This was described uh, by a contemporary source, although it's a couple of hundred years later than where we are, of a game consisting of two teams on horseback, an apple-sized leather ball, and long sticks with small nets on the end. So instead of, like, a hammer, apparently they had a small net on the end. A scoop. Well, it then said uh, that they pushed the ball into the opposing goal. And I don't know whether this is a translation thing, uh, but it sounds to me like it's essentially the same thing. Just instead of a mallet, you've just got, like, a a webbed end that you just... Like a tennis racket. Yeah, maybe more like hitting a tennis ball rather than scooping it up and throwing it. Mm. Uh, Not like lacrosse. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was similar to that. But it, it's men on horses with big sticks and a ball okay. trying to score goals. Fair enough. That's what it is. Now, by the time Alexander becomes emperor, this game is huge in the leading class in Constantinople. Everyone who was cool played it, who was in the leading class anyway. Nice. That's not to say everyone was impressed by the sport. The sources really condemn Alexander for appointing into the higher echelons of government people who would play this game more than govern. Yeah. So there, there was obviously this idea that uh, it was a fun game, but you really shouldn't be playing it if you're an important person. You've got more important things to do. Yeah, it's for the rich youth rather than the, the men of substance. Anyway, back to the narrative, because Alexander, between the drinking and the playing polo, hasn't quite finished undoing all of Leo's decisions. If you remember, Leo and the old patriarch Nicholas had fallen out. Oh, yeah. Leo had managed to get the Pope and the other patriarchs on side and claim Nicholas was uh, in talks with the traitor Andronicus Ducus and therefore had to be removed. Now, if you remember, he, he managed to send some clever letters out and the Patriarch was indeed removed from power. Yeah. Now Alexander's in charge, he decides that Nicholas had been treated very unfairly, (laughs) and he should be back as Patriarch. So, all of a sudden, Nicholas is back, and he wasted no time on working towards the one thing that he wanted as the head of the Church of Constantinople. A throne. Revenge. Ah, yes. Wonderful. (laughs) He was not happy. (laughs) Uh, the patriarch who had replaced him, Euthemius, was dragged in front of a tribunal. Oh, wonderful. Nicholas spoke first in the tribunal, and I quote here, Why, while I was amongst the living, did you take to wife the church that was wedded to me, defiling her whilst driving me out? Wasn't that kind of job, sir? <laughs> yeah, I imagine Euphemius probably just looked a bit confused about that. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the metaphor, but... Really? (laughs) Bit weird. You have issues, sir. (laughs) Well, he answered in this way. It was you who brought her defilement and drove yourself out. If you ask me, I will tell you the nature of these defilements and the cause of your expulsion. Ooh. Yeah, taking no poop. No. As you can imagine, Nicholas, not pleased with this answer. What do you think he does? has the charges very much put against Euthemius and then... (laughs) I'll just quote. (laughs) Wonderful. The Patriarch, being Nicholas, ordered Euphemius to be publicly and shamefully stripped of his robes and declared him fallen from his holy office. 
Then there was a sight to be seen more pitiful than any before. Dragging off his bishop's scarf, they trampled upon it, not sparing even the figure of the cross. Ooh. So they took his scarf off and they jumped up and down on it. Well, that's brutal. That is brutal. Similarly, they tore off all his sacred vestments and trampled upon them too, even his monk's cowl. Oh my goodness. So he's down to his underwear now. Yeah. And they're just jumping up and down gleefully on his on his monk's robe. Pointing at him going, ha, how yeah. do you feel now? Um. And when the servants saw their master rejoicing, as in Nicholas watching this, just clapping probably, yeah. <laughs> and delighting in these things, they lay hands on his beard and pulled it. So now Euphemius is having his beard pulled. Oh dear. I know, it's a bad day. <laughs> and pushed him with such violence that he fell on his back to the ground, and there they kicked him while he lay, spitting on him, beating him with their fists, and then striking him in the face. It escalates. It does a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes from a bit of mean-spirited bullying to... Uh... <laughs> Euthemius was then dragged to his feet, because he was in a bit of a bloody way at this point. Yeah. So they drag him to his... Feet, so he can be questioned some more. Maybe he'll answer uh, more respectfully this time. Again, I'll quote. But one of his henchmen, a giant of huge physical strength, stood looking on until at a nod from Nicholas, he struck Euphemius two blows, knocking out two of his teeth, and then continued to pummel at him on the back of the neck until Euphemius had no breath left, Ooh. nor speech and was at the point of falling down the staircase, which is an odd thing right at the end there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'd obviously dragged him to some stairs. And yeah. Way. <laughs> oh, dear, are you going to fall down the stairs? Or maybe the whole thing's a euphemism for uh, falling down the stairs. Or maybe, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, poor Euphemius. Yeah. Being punched in the back of the neck until you're, you're so winded Ooh. you can't. Oh, how does that work? It's just nasty. Punch in the back would wind you more, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe that's what it means. Maybe it's a translation thing. Mm. Oh. It's just a strange place to punch someone the back of the neck. I even think that could cause a lot of damage, I guess. It really could. Better on the front of the neck, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Nicholas then banishes Euthemius and started to purge the entire church of everyone in the Ignatius faction. Ah. Remember, Euthemius was part of the Ignatius faction. Yeah. Alexander was able to use the confiscated property from the Ignatius faction to refill the treasury that had been depleted due to the tributes to the Borgars and the naval battles against the Caliphate. There you go, he's uh, putting the persecution to good use. Well, there we go. Alex then marries his mistress. Nicholas being more than happy to help out the emperor who had given his job back. Yeah, yeah. Despite his objections to the previous emperor doing the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, the Bulgar envoys that had been thrown out. Oh yeah. They arrive back in Bulgaria. Hello, sir. <laughs> and where's the tribute? About that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently they're not paying anymore. Simeon wasn't too happy with this and declared that if the Romans were not paying the tribute, then the peace deal was off. There would be war. Yeah. Alexander, however, was in a spot of trouble. Yeah. And uh, according to the sources, his genitals had withered what? due to overuse what? and over-drinking. Oh. Yeah. Oh. STD. <laughs> 
Well, modern historians have speculated that he actually has testicular cancer. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, we don't have details, but things clearly aren't working for him in that department. Uh, Despite his recent marriage and his previous ones, he still was not able to have children. Uh, He desperately wanted to have a boy, so little Constantine would not become emperor after him. Yeah. So, he sought out some advice. How do I get the fellas to producing the sperm again? With overuse. Yeah. Goodness me. (laughs) Yeah, what someone suggested that he was somehow spiritually linked to the bronze statue of a boar in the Hippodrome. What? Was probably the reaction in the meeting. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, apparently this statue of a boar was depicted in competition with a lion. So it was obviously a statue where there was a boar and a lion kind of fighting each other. Kind of scuffle. Yeah. Well, the lion says this man in this meeting, uh, that clearly represents Leo. And if the lion is Leo, then you must be the boar. You calling me a pig? (laughs) Again, I imagine there was just a big pause. Where where are you going with this? This statue was made 300 years ago, sir. (laughs) Well, this advisor said, if the emperor wanted a son, he needed to get his genitals to work again. And the boar statue, he couldn't help but notice. He he checked last time they were at the games. (laughs) Uh, The boar statue didn't have any genitals. So if you were to give the boar statue a pair of balls, then yours will start working again, was essentially the argument. Um... Yeah. He tried it, didn't they? Alexander was all for this. <laughs> uh, the guy hadn't even finished, and Alexander was calling out the room for some testicles. Massive pair! <laughs> Giant! Yeah, so... Um, well, the statue ended up looking like a, a boar on a space hopper by the end. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I'll quote here. This all made sense to that truly piggish man, and he provided the pig with the missing parts. While he was prey to such mad thoughts, he ordered that the holy tapestries, the sacred lampstands and candelabra be brought from the churches during the chariot races. With these he adorned the chariot races, thus profaning what had been dedicated to God, or rather, dictating it to idols in his vileness. So he made a big ceremony out of it, basically. He dragged all these... things from the churches, strung up the uh, presumably boar testicles on the statue of a boar. I imagine the winch. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine that literally thousands in the crowd waiting for the races. It's like... Open-mouthed. There's someone there, never been before, he's been taken for the first time by his cousin. (laughs) Does this usually happen? Uh, No. (laughs) I've I've not seen the balls before, no. No. Oh, they're fallen. Oh, clang. Oh, and someone stepped on it. Oh, just hear a very faint. That's <laughs> oh, okay, they've got spare. And up it goes. Yeah. Um, you'll be shocked to learn this doesn't work. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alexander still is unable to have children. Worried that he'd never have an heir, he started to suggest to some that perhaps they castrate little Constantine to stop him ever being emperor. <laughs> Your reaction there was probably Constantine's reaction. (laughs) Um. I've got a better idea, sir. (laughs) Well, fortunately for the little prince, there was enough support for Constantine and the court that meant that Alexander was unable to push this through. So, uh, Constantine gets to keep his lads. Good. In frustration, Alexander went off to play polo. 
was what he did to unwind. He'd already drank a fair amount that day when they started, perhaps to stop the pain that was within him. I mean, if he has got testicular cancer and it's mm. fairly advanced, he's probably in quite a bit of pain. But yeah, he's, he was quite drunk when he started. This story's not going to end well, is it? I can see how long we've got to go. <laughs> I'll quote. A pain arose in his entrails, which had been overloaded with an excess of food and drinking. He went back up to the palace hemorrhaging from his nose and his genitals. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Not good. No. Oh, not good. Yeah, uh, he was dead within the day. Oh, thank uh, goodness. Some claim that he had a stroke. Um, mm. Some say that whatever it is that had been eating away at him finally caught up with him. Who knows? But something happened that meant he was bleeding out of his nose and his genitals, and then he died after playing a game of polo. Oh. And there you go. That's Alexander. Splint. Well, no. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Let's try and rank him then. Yep. Fightius Maximus. Right, well, um, he did no fighting. No. No. Um, you could argue he did sort of political fighting and says he refused to pay the tribune, tribute. That's just bad decision-making, though. I don't true. think it's political fighting. I was getting a zero. Yeah, it's a yeah. zero, isn't it? Aprobium Crazium. Okay, might be able to pick up a point or two here. Uh, he did start a war with the Bulgars, one that he didn't get to see himself, but he was the one who's uh, starting the, the tensions off. Wonderful. And he did that just because it was his brother who enacted the peace deal. Out of spite. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he tore apart the church by taking down one patriarch and replacing it with another who's just had vengeance on his mind. Good. So, that happened. Uh, he hung some balls on a boar statue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which uh, did not go down well at the time. I mean, you read these things that crazy emperors used to do, but it's it's not too often that you read a contemporary source that's saying this was ridiculous. But with the uh, while he was prey to such mad thoughts quote, makes you realise that, yeah, he there were plenty around at the time who yeah. were going, what on earth is he doing? It's weird. Yeah. Really weird. Uh, he tried to castrate his nephew... We thought about it. Yeah, he didn't do it, so perhaps doesn't really warrant a huge amount of points, but he tried. Good saying. There's not really much. No. Four? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go quite so high. I might go for a three, but yeah, it's not great, is it? No. No. Seven. Seven. Success. See if he can pick up any more in this round. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well actually, he's undone some good things, and he's uh, put, the, put the war... You he, know. he did start topping up the treasury. He actually gained some money. But... <laughs> <laughs> by confiscating it off people from the church for yeah. no reason. And, let's face it, the negatives outweigh the pros. Yeah. He was getting competent people who were in government and just throwing them out and replacing them with his polo friends. Uh, no, it's, it's got to be a zero, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, zero. Yep. Image of Okay. Painting. Uh, painting of him in the Hajj Sophia. Okay. And here he is. He's got a beard. I'd say that is the most lifelike yeah. painting we've ever had, or any image, apart from arguably a bust. 
it's actually a, a fairly good painting. It looks yeah. like a real face. That's what you can imagine. Yeah, he, he's got a beard. He looks a bit sad. It's carrying a, what was it, a whiskey bottle as well. Yeah, that's, I'm guessing that's a drink. Actually, I do know what that is. Amazing roll, isn't it? No, no, yeah. it's not. It's not scroll. It's a container holding ashes to oh. remind people of their mortality. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That was a bit of accidental research on an image I did, because I usually don't bother with researching yeah. the images, but I happened to see that. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, very flamboyant dress. He looks like, oh, they, oh what are they called? Um, the people in London that wear the bells. Morris dancers? No, they wear like black <laughs> black costumes, and they've oh, not but pearls, they wear white pearls. It's like a traditional London thing. But he looks like one of those. I know what I mean. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, he's got a green halo. That's nice. Can't remember seeing a green one before. Green Red outline, halos. Yeah. The colour may have changed over years, though. Maybe. Maybe it used to be a bronze halo. Maybe. I like the hat. It's a nice hat. Um, it's got the diamond pattern that's very popular. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. You I know? think it's very good. I like yeah. that. He doesn't look impressive, but it's a nice image. Yeah, I, I, I'm giving um, that quite a high mark. I like that. Because he personally doesn't look that impressive, I'm not in the highest marks. No. I think I'm going to go for seven, seven or an eight. I was thinking seven, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go for seven. Yeah, I'm going to go for seven as well. It's pretty good. That is 3.5 for Imager Facious. Nice. Okay, a little story for you in this round, which is unusual. It's a very little story. I like stories. The scene is Leo's death chamber, which was just a bad choice for a name of a room, really. Yeah. Yeah. But there he is on his deathbed in the death chamber. <laughs> Drinking his death tea. Yeah. Yeah, and he was about to die when apparently he said, 13 months, an evil time. And everyone went, what, what, what does that mean? It's wonderfully ambiguous, sir. Can yeah. you explain more? <laughs> no, because he was dead. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh. But this later was said to be a prophecy of his brother's rule. 13 months. Because, yes, <laughs> his brother did indeed last one year and one month. Okay. That gives him a 0 0.14 for this round. Splendid. Should we add up all of his points? Let's do it. 10.64. Not great. No, that's terrible. No, but not the worst. No. No. Je ne sais pas. Do they have a certain je ne sais pas? His balls exploded whilst he was playing polo. That's quite imp... Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob. It's a very ball themed episode. It was, this was. yeah. Um, yeah, with a polo, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. I want to try and sleep tonight. I mean, obviously not. No, but, no, it's definitely not. You know, oh. so that's a no. Okay, that is it for Alexander. Alexander two, not great. Nope. No. Did he beat the first Alexander though? No idea. Probably. No, probably not. The first Alexander. Got 12.38. Oh. Oh, not quite as good as the young boy that didn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Alexander too. Not as good as your namesake. Right, there you go. That's Alexander then. Uh, but before we go this week, just a little bit of stat talk. Ooh, yay. Yeah. You can tell it was a short episode. Oh, yeah. He's for most episodes about Polo. Yeah, and the weird fact that he's got a three after his name quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Right, okay. We have looked at 38 emperors so far in season two. Only 38? Out of 81. Okay. So we're approaching halfway. Ooh. But because this is a short episode, I thought this would be a nice time to uh, just, just stop and a brief five-minute chat about the stats so yeah. far. Yeah. Um, do you want to know the top ten in series two? No. Oh, well, I'm telling you anyway. Okay. 
10th place, Constantine IV. Ah, young yeah. emperor. Racked up quite a few points. Uh, lasted a long time. Yeah. Greek fire. Big siege. Yes. Yeah. The caliphate. Uh, number nine, Anastasius. Oh. One of the very early ones. Old yeah. man. Footback coup. Just generally looked after the place quite well. We yeah. were impressed with him. Good caretaker. Yeah. Number eight, a much more recent one, Theophilus. Yeah. Yeah. Loved the caliphate. Wanted Loved to them. emulate the golden age. Yeah. Uh, and just some generally decent stories in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were impressed with him. Uh, seven, Leo III. You remember, he's he's Conan the uh, shepherd boy. Oh, yes. Who, who grew up uh, to be emperor. Rags to riches story there. Yeah. Uh, number six, Constantine V, Poofface. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then, top five for this season. You're going to be pleased with this one. Fifth place, Maurice. Ah, oh, we miss you! <laughs> yes. Still convinced he got that high mainly because of his name. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, number four, incredibly recent, Basil. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, he was good. Uh, third place, Justinian the Great, which I'm sure will shock some. <laughs> um, often considered by far the best... Byzantine Emperor. But, well, um, he needs to be better. Uh, but yeah, only third place for us. Number two, Justinian II. Justinian No-Nos. Yeah, well, what a story, though. Yeah, just an amazing story. He absolutely deserves that. And our top place for this season is Heraclius. Heraclius. Yes. Uh, again, just an amazing story with mm. the uh, about to lose the empire, the defeat of the Persians, and then the rise of Islam all in one rule. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this season. Uh, the rounds, though, our top fighters for this season. In third place is Maurice on 17. I come back again, monsieur. <laughs> Uh, second place, Justinian II oh, on nice. 17. A lot of personal fighty points yeah, for him. Yeah. He clawed his way back into being emperor. And obviously, <laughs> first place on 18 points is Heraclius. Yeah. Losing points because he kind of lost everything he gained by the end. Yeah, yes. But he did stop the Roman Empire from being annihilated. So, yeah, he, he scores a lot. He fought a giant on a bridge, if I remember correctly, as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so he, yeah. he got up to all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Our craziest emperors. Third place, Focus. Yeah. Yeah, with his massive scar. Uh, yeah. And it's throwing babies into the river and sacks. I might have made that up, but... He probably did it. The sources made up lots of stuff yeah. about him, so he probably did. Yeah, he's on 16 points. Um, and then we get a jump up to 20 points. Joint first place. Wow. We've got two people. We've got Justin Two. Mad as a box of frogs. Oh, yes, he was. Actually insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he did the animal things, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being carted around in a wheelbarrow. He was great. Literally bricked up into the palace to yeah. stop him escaping. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant stuff. <laughs> and then, I must admit, this is the one thing about the score that's been bugging me for possibly about a year now, at least since we've done Justinian 2. I can't remember how long ago it was. I think we might have overmarked Justinian 2 in this round, because he scores 20 points. That puts him level with Justin 2, Commodus, and I'm not convinced Justinian 2 was quite as crazy as those two. Let's see what he got it for. Oh, yeah. A lot of death. There was a lot of death. Purged the city, destroyed city. He it's destroyed 50, two of his 000. own cities. Uh, he did. He did execute a lot of people. Yeah, there was a lot of mutilation. Oh yeah, ten thousand slaves executed, wives, children. 
Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he should be high up, but if I remember correctly, I said something along the lines of, if Cara Keller deserves 20, so does Justinian too. Because he killed probably more people. Yeah, but I forgot, we didn't give Cara Keller four marks. In my head, I think at the time, I thought we did. Mm. Uh, I'm not convinced Justinian too quite deserves 20, maybe 19 or 18. I'm not sure he's as crazy as uh, Caracalla. I think the, the brutality of killing, that's what we... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think maybe that one is one perhaps we should look at at some point. We can debate that maybe in the rounds. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so there you go. For this season, Justinian 2 and Justin 2 are our craziest, most definitely. Our most successful, in joint second place, is Basil yeah. and Anastasius, with 17 points apiece. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and our most successful is Justinian the Great, with 18 points. Fair enough. Which is fair enough. Constans 2 is the only person to score full marks, Victor Joe Facius. Sexiest Emperor, good man. Massive beard, if you remember. That's, yeah. Yeah, that was the massive, like, yeah. almost down to his knees kind of yeah. beard. Gandalf beard, that's what you want. And Justinian the Great is the longest ruler with 38 years. It's long, yeah. It is long. But, here's the, the moment we've all been waiting for. Here's our top 10 of all of them. Including Series 1? Including Series 1. Oh, okay. In 10th place, and this might shock you, with 44.88, it's Basil. Oh, interesting. He's made the top 10. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, he was good. Yeah. But I wouldn't have guessed he was top 10 good. No. But that stag death was damn good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe he deserves to be there. In ninth place, Theodosius. Okay. With 45.63. In 8th place, Valentinian with 47.38. I still don't quite understand why Valentinian's so high, <laughs> apart from the bears. Yeah. It's the bears. Yeah, the bears. Gold flake and... Innocence. Innocence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at Innocence go. <laughs> Shred ripped her. In 7th place with 48.25, Augustus. Ooh. Down to 7th place. 7th place. Well, that means quite a few Byzantines are up there. Oh, yeah. Sixth place with 48.75, Diocletian. Ooh. Fifth place, 51.80, Justinian. Okay. Fourth place, 51.88, Constantine. The Great. Yeah. We've had Theodosius, who's sometimes known as Theodosius the Great. <gasps> Justinian, who's known as Justinian the Great. And Constantine, who's known yeah. as Constantine the Great. Because Aurelian was our winner of Series 1, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, you're jumping ahead, you're jumping ahead. Oh, sorry. Right, third place, Justinian II on 52.00. Fair. Second place, Aurelian. Oh! 52.13. And oh. Heraclius is our winner at the 53. moment with 53.88. Oh my goodness. In the top ten, that is one, two, three, four Series 2 Emperors. Wow. And, and six, series. six Series 1 Emperors. Wow. So... Although, I mean, you could claim Constantine could be claimed by the East, since he's considered the first Byzantine yeah. emperor. Uh, but we don't make that distinction, so... Nope. Nope. so there you go. That's how things are unravelling. Interesting. Yeah. I think our, our fear that Season 2 wouldn't be able to hold up in terms of score with Season 1 uh, is being proved to be unfounded. Mm. Yeah. There you go. And uh, best death... Oh, Basil. I still like... I still really like Leo Fives, though. The cross on the altar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting them equal. All right. They're, both, they're just both brilliant deaths. In different ways, yeah. Yeah, it's Christmas Day. The sources literally mention the velvet pointy hats they were wearing. 
So they were wearing Christmas hats. Wonderful. And he's there with a cross beating his assassin's <laughs> back. It's just an amazing death. Yeah. But then being dragged for 16 miles by a stag is also brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Had a, a few good deaths. Yeah. In fact, today's was not bad. Yeah, it was all right. How many balls explode on a horse whilst playing poker? Right? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, that's it for this week. In fact, that is it for a little while. Really? Yes. Because, well, you're going on holiday. I've got some stuff to do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to take a little bit of a break. And I'm not entirely sure how long for, uh, because mm. we haven't worked it out yet. But, yeah, it's going to be a little bit longer than usual before the next episode. But fear not, because before we go on that break, we will record a Roman Republic episode. Ooh, yes. And it's a big one. Okay. It is Scipio. Africanus. Oh, yes. Oh! So big, I think it's going to be a two-parter. Really? And hopefully we'll get both parts recorded before we go on break, so we yeah. can release both as soon as possible. Nice. But it will just make editing it a bit easier, rather yeah. than doing one big massive one. Yeah. So, yeah, we might split that one into two. I've not decided yet. So, if you're desperate for some more and you're not one of our Senate members yet, join up, dollar a month. Uh, you mm. get access to all of the previous episodes of Roman Republic, which there's about 13-odd now, I think. Mm. And they're long. So, yeah, that's good. So, of course, you can donate more if you wish. If oh, yeah, you if you want to, well. go for it. And soon enough, Scipio will be appearing. Yay. And we'll learn all about why he's considered one of, if not the best Roman generals of all time. Nice. Just keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook to find out when we're going to be back. But uh, might be start of September. Yeah. Okay. Great. Until then, then. All that we need to say is... Goodbye. Goodbye. Look, we've been called here, we've got to think of an idea, and we're not leaving this room until we come with an idea on how we can help the Emperor and his problem. As in his... Yes, his problem. So he can't... No. Right. Despite all the... No, no. Even when he's... Oh, multiple times. Okay. Well, that's tr quite tricky. It is quite tricky. And he, he wants a son. Yes, I mean, it's a 50-50 chance anyway. Yes. With a healthy pair of... But... And you say we can't leave the room until we've solved this? Nope. The man can't have children. What are we supposed to do? Can't with... I don't know. Tell him something. Oh, God, I'm... Could we not just get his wife pregnant and claim it's his? Yes, but the, 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 the one problem with this, and, well, you know how you used to be an architect? Yes. And you used to be part of the erection team? Oh, yes, I was very proud of my erections. That's his problem. Right, yes, but no, you're, you're misunderstanding. What I'm suggesting is that perhaps we don't use one of his erections, but perhaps... Another fine example of architecture. Um, I, 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 but the trouble is, he'll know it's not his. He's very adamant that it's his son. Right, okay. And his um, building. Right. Well, I found, whenever a, a building was um, a bit, bit wonky, just uh, putting up some scaffolding. We're, we're not putting some scaffolding around the Empress' penis. It's just, just an idea. It didn't work for Leo, it's not going to work for Alexander. Oh, fine. Okay, right. Um, 
Well, well, my wife used to do something quite pleasant. No, oh, you've told me about that before. It's shocking. Yeah, the goose and the butter. Yes. Did uh, that work? I, I don't think so. Not with the emperor. He's allergic to cheese. Uh. Did, do we actually know the details of what's... I mean, it's all very vague. What's, what's yeah. exactly not working down there? Uh, it says here they're withered. Both of them. Oh, all three of them. Again, vague. Yes. I mean, if, if we knew... If we knew details, maybe we could find a replacement? A repl- um, No, no, ignore me. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, we, we could always ask for a... for a, for a look. Ah, uh, not after last time. No, that's true. Maybe a prey. Maybe a good, old-fashioned prey. Okay. We should... we could suggest praying. But we've, we've been trying that the last consecutive 38 weeks, but nothing. No, no, the, the praying's not working. I, right. What if, instead of just, like, an abstract praying, we actually get... get something physical? Something you could, like, pray at? Something you could almost touch? Something in the Hippodrome. Yes, he's always at the Hippodrome, isn't yes, he? and all the people there will see it as well. Yes, and if we actually get... Now, it sounds a bit out there, but how about we actually get some balls? And just sort of string them up about the place. Ball statues? Yeah. Statues of balls? We could put balls on the statues. Well, there's a statue there. There is. There's the lion and the boar. Yeah, the lion, Leo. Oh. Nice, boar. Yeah. The female boar. But exactly, no balls. We'll put, we'll put the balls on. You can't put balls onto Sandra. No, no, no. It's, this will work because the emperor will go, oh, the boar's got balls. I'm the boar. I must have balls. Ergo, child. It makes perfect sense. It does. Guards, can we come out now? Please. <laughs>